Bartolotta, welcome and good to the podcast. Uh, I'm Matt, joined as always by uh, my bratna sister, Katie. I keep saying I'm going to study the, the, the dictionary and I never do. Oopsie day. No, no, maybe, maybe, maybe you learned some Bartolotta, huh? Uh-huh. Some, some, some Langbalta. We're talking this week about episode five, Down and Out. Katie, episode five. How are we feeling so far in this season? We're about halfway through, a little over halfway now, I guess. So this is the halfway mark. Yeah, I'm. I, we're halfway through. I'm still kind of on the fence about how I feel. And I think this episode uh, at, is like a sample of how the whole season is kind of going to go, which is to say, I don't remember the first two thirds of what happened Things got kind of exciting toward the end there, um, but I couldn't tell you. Are you talking like episodes or the this episode specifically? This episode specifically, but I have a feeling that this would this will scale to probably be the entire season. I bet because I bet they're gonna end with like Laconia, which will seem like really intriguing. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just being cynical. Um, I don't think I am. Um, <laughs> just so so yeah. I, Still on the fence about about season five. It's just like, oh, oh, that's it then, huh? Okie dokie. Well, I was expecting more from that. I was expecting more destruction um, with Earth. I was expecting higher stakes. Uh, I was expecting, I guess, a, a little bit more from Fred Fred Johnson death. But nope, I guess they're just like, oh, here's Bull now. And just like, him? I think what we're seeing to me is there's this tension, right? There's a tension between the books and how they moved characters to certain places to move the story along. The problem with the show is that they're trying to get characters to roughly the same places, but it's like they're cheating and not showing the work. And you're kind of like, but you didn't quite get there. Like mm-hmm. the idea that Earth, for example, is like super devastated. We only saw a few meteor impacts. It seemed like bad and like, Definitely there's going to be more coming with like ash clouds and tidal chaos and, and things like that. But on the whole, it seems like you're going to be okay. But it did manage to hit the one jail location that Amos is at. <laughs> and it did manage to hit the one uh, place right next to where the minister was so Avasarala can be president again. And it did manage to hit, you know... Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Just like the right places. Yeah. Like, conveniently. Yeah. Like this isn't, this isn't like the stakes that you would think would be presented, which is earth is absolutely fucked. And while like humanity may not be doomed, boy, it's going to be rough and probably, you know, uh, only known devastation to date as far as like the, the black death happened. Right. But like on a much bigger scale. If I recall correctly, in the books, oh my god, I'm becoming all those people. Holy shit! <laughs> in the books, the premise was the Earth like was like the the entire human race was basically fucked because none of the colony systems were strong enough to be able to provide for food. If you think of the human species as like one gigantic organism, all the circulation of materials and um, 
nutrients and supplements and all the things that the human species needs comes from Earth. And so if Earth is gone or, or you know, incontrovertibly damaged beyond repair, then that impacts everyone. And that was sort of like the impetus that led to the Belters turning against Marco's crusade and being like, no, we all die. Like, we're all in this together, which is, I think, a really beautiful moment. It won't be in the books here because the devastation isn't that deep. Like, there isn't that, like, existential crisis. Yeah. And it's also a thing where, like, the whole – one of the points of it, right, is to wipe out the stronghold of humanity so that another power – spoiler alert – can come in and fill that void, right? Like, that's the whole thing with Laconia is, like, oh, we're here to save you now. Like, yeah, we're, we're a little strict on rules, sure, but isn't this so much nicer, don't you? We're a little bit, little bit fascist, a little bit. Just a teensy. little bit, a, just a tiny bit. Off we just have, like, side. one supreme eternal ruler. It's no big deal. It's fine. Yeah, no big deal. So it's fine. Just overlook that part. But, man, isn't the stability nice? Don't, don't the trains run on time? Isn't that great? And, like, that's the whole point. It's, like, to just completely not just destabilize Earth, but wipe it out as a potential threat to any new powers that could emerge which is the whole point um so you know uh and the that's why the the belgers get on board they're like well our like nemeses get to eat shit for like a solid i don't know a couple of decades well okay that's fine well we're down uh for you know the the uh the free navy that's kind of the the draws like well we can you know at least like in, in the short-sighted sort of thing which is like well we have our freedom yay and you know, then they use that destability. Anyway, I'm not gonna, yeah, not gonna get too far into that because that's <laughs> by the books. By the books, yeah. Well, the books and the books. The story, um, is um, anyway. Well, speaking back to the episode, then things I loved about it. I love Amos and Melba time. I just really do. I'm always gonna love it. I love their relationship. It's great. Kanachek was kind of a fun character for a side diversion. It totally went the way you expected. Um, the, yeah, a little bit. The episode was definitely Amos suplexing that guy down a shaft. Um, <laughs> I was like, well, I didn't know I was going to get wrestling as a bonus in this episode, so that's cool. Um, that's about when the episode got good. Couldn't really tell you much what happened before then. Bull got to swear a lot. Yeah, so that was fun. Oh my god, I love talking about a bull, right? Because bull. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if the if the writers for the show uh, intended this, but so like I'm someone who just always instinctively gets nervous when there's like a cop car behind me just because i've like you know um you know how cops exist in american society i mean even though like i may not be directly threatened uh compared to like definitely other people in our society um like it's still like a thing like just cops suck right like that is my immediate thing they suck but they have power and like i've definitely like been pulled over for a bullshit reason so that a cop could stare down my shirt that sucked but still i mean i'm not not uh, carrying apple to oranges. I'm not being shot at. But anyway, it's cops suck. They ca- they create like that sort of like nervousness whenever I see one. This guy doesn't even like scratch the surface, triggering my anxiety. I just want to laugh in his face. I'm just like, you're. Are you supposed to be threatening or a joke? Because I can't can't really tell. Because you're definitely not threatening. He's like, <laughs> I'm gonna feed your fingers, then I'm gonna eat those mushrooms. It's like, what? The fuck <laughs> are you talking about? What kind of threat is this? Like, you just sound like you're fucking unhinged, but, like, not in a scary way. See, Amos instinctively recognized that he was a wrestling heel and so dealt with him the way a wrestling (laughs) heel should be dealt with. Right. Well, but, like, yeah, Bull is just, I just, 
I, I talk a lot about this show about the I love the the nonverbal acting from the actors in it because I think a lot of it is really good. I would have loved a little bit from West Chatham because his eyes get sort of wide and he sort of like realizes he can't just beat the shit out of this guy and, and win that way as he normally would. I would have loved to have seen a little moment because Kanachek was sort of, um, like you said, very, I don't want to use the term jovial, but kind of a jokey clown character. Oh, no, sorry. I was talking about Bull, not Kanachek. Oh, Bull. Okay. Sorry. I'm thinking of Kanachek then. Okay. He was... He was definitely. It was. It was the wrestle. Bull, Bull has. Bull has very strong short guy vibes, if I may say. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why you're confusing <laughs> it. It's like Bull, right? The big, the big uh, heel to to West Chatham's uh, face. No, no, I'm just talking about the guy who just like. Yeah, you're just like, what are you gonna do, man? Like, don't piss yourself. Like, calm down. He's, like, he's just got very strong, like short guy, angry short guy energy, and that's like. You know, he, he, he's ready to tell Holden, you're not dad or my father or Fred Johnson. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole, like, he's trying to be threatening. Like I said, the way he's trying to threaten Sakai when he's like, I'm going to feed, I'm going to put your fingers in the recycler and then I'm going to, mean, like, what did he say? No, I'm going to feed you to the mushrooms in the recycler, like finger yeah. by finger, and then I'm going to eat them. And then you're just like, wait, are you going to eat her fingers or the mushrooms? And, it's not really and clear. I think in that scene, uh, Bahia Watson, I think it's her name, she is great. I love her. She's like great. She is chewing scenery. She is being the perfect hench person. I she's great. I love her. Welcome to Expanse. Never go and never use your clips from Discovery. Okay, there it's a bad show. No one likes it. Uh, but this show, love it. Great. Keep it up. And I love what I'm assuming. I don't. I don't know as, as much Belter as I might let let on listeners. I do love that she appeared to be calling Holden multiple different slurs over the course of the conversation. That was extremely enjoyable. I only recognized in Yeloda, which is like just, you're, you know, you're an inner. Um, uh, I didn't realize, like, I thought she said dust Yeloda. I'm like, isn't that like Martian? I th- oh, I think there's one. Uh, I'm assuming it was called, she was calling him a shithead. Oh, uh, okay. I think one of them is like Imshiloda. So that's, I'm assuming that's some kind of variation on on that based on the way Belter language tends to cut consonants um, yeah. to make other words. Anyways, she's great. Before that, I think we see Drummer deciding with her uh, her crew, her wa- husbands and wives. I'm just thinking now, like, uh, Drummer as an iron and wine singer, and she's just singing, like, all her husbands and wives and just making, like, a very folksy <laughs> melody to call them to her. Um, so True. she's like, we're going to go meet up with... <laughs> They're going to go to local burlesque later um, <laughs> and have some some micro brews. I just... Yeah, no, that's... that's the Pacific Northwest polyculture, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, like, this this particular vibe. It's not just like polyculture, but it's like polyculture. Everyone's an engineer and wears a lot of eye makeup. There's a there's a big overlap, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, gotcha. <laughs> um, so she tells her crew. That's I think as I'm like sort of like replaying the episode and like recalling and, and looking through the the timeline of what happened. This episode, I know it needed to happen to like get us to the next one. It felt very fragmentary. Like there's a lot of like fragments of like all the different pieces that are moving right now, and because there's a lot going on, we have this like storyline with Avasarala. We have Holden and Bull. We have Drummer. We have Naomi, which is sort of tangentially related to Holden, but not quite. And then we have Amos and Peaches. Um, and we have the Marco and Philip storyline. There's just so many different threads right now. It's it's. It's kind it's of hard a, to like. It's a little chaotic, and it's like not necessarily in a good way for storytelling. Um, it just makes it hard to be like, 
Well, I don't know, because it seems like, okay. Oh, this... I'm not talking about the Martian storyline either. Holy shit. Yeah. So it's like, once something starts to, like, gear up and gain traction, you're like, okay, I'm following now. Like, I'm still kind of, like, you know, processing what I just saw before and trying to, like, keep track and, like, hold on to all of those things. So now I'm just like, okay, I'll pay attention to this. It's getting exciting. It's just like, haha, idiot. Okay, now back to this other thing that's way less, that's just dialogue. I'm like, oh, my fucking do you, God. Do you think that they um might have filmed the series with the, the sort of, like, framing or intention that it was to be binge-watched and now it's sort of struggling on a week-to-week release basis? Because I could see this being a fine thing if it was, like, right after last week, you know? Right. Maybe. I don't really know. I mean, you should never really go into, like, my personal opinion is, like, you should never go into an episode thinking that because you never know when someone's going to, like, stop watching. Um, I can barely get through 15 minutes at a time because, hey, 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 ADHD. Um, So when I pick it back up, I'm like, what the fuck was I just watching? So, like, if I'm not engaged enough, I just stop paying attention and that's like not great and that definitely hasn't been the precedent for this whole series i feel like as long as you're not doing constant like on the last episode of the expanse and then it's like 15 <laughs> minutes of recap then it's obnoxious but in this case it's it's not it's still seamless but this just wasn't a good episode <laughs> except for the part where that guy got suplexed well i did say okay I, I in talking with friends a lot of friends are sort of annoyed or they, they're not interested in the philip naomi marco uh, family drama and I don't I, I can understand why people would feel that way I think what I've really enjoyed and this is, was a great episode for that moment of like Philip talking to his father and his father being manipulative like Marco is a master manipulator um, you can see it in how he engages with his son how he engages with his crew right he, it's, it's it's the it's so it's, it's a great portrayal because everyone knows it like, it's an open secret. Everyone knows he's a manipulator. But I just love seeing him and his son. And, like, it's such excellent work from Keanu Alexander of, like, the way he, like, effortlessly moves from, like, physical expressions of closeness to a threat in the same way that he, like, verbally does it. Like, mm-hmm. I just think he's doing great work in in the blocking, the action, and, like, just everything else he's doing. A great job with a character that is not that interesting all said and done. Right. I th- I think he's actually probably one of the mo- most interesting character, if not the most interesting character, like new character anyway, um, on this season. I-, I guess I am I am interested in starting to see. <laughs> That's because you're looking. You're like the bull. Bull is like your barometer for like, do I like it? Someone new or not? Are they as bad as bull? I mean, and that's the, the worst thing, right? Is like you you could have done a lot of things with that character. Like, are you supposed to feel like he's a pretender to the throne, so to speak, of Tycho? Yeah, you could have portrayed that in various ways. You know, like you can kind of portray. A, I don't know. I'm not sure. Just I'm not sure what they're going for, but I think it's laughable, and I don't think that was their intention, right? I, I don't think you were supposed to be like, this guy's gonna tell anyone what the fuck to do. Like, seriously? No, that's not... I don't think that's going to jive with anybody. But um, maybe that's just me, and I just love to shit on any cop, regardless of, <laughs> uh, you know, time, place, and location. Uh, uh, oh, I thought he was... Yeah, he's a pretty intriguing... Philip is is still a pretty interesting character. Uh, I think where I struggle um, within that whole, like, family drama dynamic is... I think the actor who's playing Marco Naros is doing a great job, like being a manipulator who loves to hear his own voice uh like he loves to hear himself talk he thinks he's he so... loves his own poetry he's yes it's very like uh french revolutionary like that's like the inspiration for him 
for sure. And like, I think the actor's great job because I do fucking hate him. Um, so good job there. And but then- but but you may hate him, but he's also in some ways right. Like he is right about the belt being well, like ground up like meat or for the inners. You know, like he's right about those things. Any good villain is going to have a compelling backstory where you'll like where you because the idea that he would have this cult of personality following means that like his message is going to resonate with a lot of people and, and not just like on a complete like you know disassociated sort of nationalist level like you you have an analogy to relate to what he's saying you're like yeah this is i think this is viable um is he going about it the right way probably not uh, you know <laughs> probably not but you know who are we to say um I think where I struggle with the fa- the family drama thing is like I'm just having a hard time with Naomi's portrayal and her character this season is I guess because and this could just be bias I've always imagined Naomi more as a uh, kind of calm calculated person right not that she doesn't have emotions but just that like this is she's incredibly smart and of course she's like you know in this shitty environment where she's back in like you know this this toxic sort of wasteland of you know being with her ex i get it but the whole and like, the rossi crew and it's just like the thing is like it doesn't seem like it's very thought out at all um from someone that you would ex- you know expect to be like some i don't know multi-doctorate like genius yeah. it's even with even with like being in the shitty environment even with their son I'm still pretty sure she still cares about Philip, even though she wants to escape. Uh, she still cares about her own life. She still cares about Holden. But the fact that I feel like she's always like constantly, I don't in distress. I mean, it's not quite that because I think anyone would be in distress in this. It's just for some, somehow it's, it's not quite resonating with what I would expect of her character because like, she's not the type of like, you know, person to, to bounce and not take responsibility and be all about her new boyfriend and not about like, you know, like it's just, just well, she's also like, she's always been the smartest of the Rossi crew. Like you look at Holden, if you were to look at, I'm so sorry, listeners, D and D stats, Holden, high charisma, himbo, Alex, you know, probably high dexterity. You look at, um, uh, Amos high strength. Um, and the only person that could have like high cunning would be Naomi. Like, everyone else is sort of just, like, a little bit beneath, like, what she's bringing to the table. Especially because, like, she's used to hiding in sort of plain sight, like, originally on, like, the ice fairy they were on, sort of, like, having to downplay her her past with the OPA, especially, like, you know, being branded as the sort of person and having her her past. Like, no one went on that ice freighter who wasn't, like, somewhat sketched, right, trying to escape something. So, you know, this is someone who knows how to sort of wear the mask and play into like the expected roles. So like, that's, I guess also wise, like, you know, that she's done this before, you know, that she's smart, you know, that she's, um, you know, at least fairly like calculating to some degree, as far as, you know, what would make this <laughs> a little bit more interesting. I think as, as you're talking about that, knowing how smart Naomi is, I think the, the, the family drama plot would be a little bit easier if she went along with them a little bit more. As a way to like get in, get in with the crew, to develop some safety, right? Like the impulsiveness of her trying to kill Marco, like doesn't quite make sense with our character, like how cunning she is. Right, like that's the thing is like you you let them let their guard down a little bit. You take a little bit more as far as like, all right, a little bit of freedom, be seen as one of the crew, 
sort of use it to get more information. Like there are so many ways to play this that she she's smart enough to know how to play into. And yet this whole season, it's just her being like frazzled and distressed and impulsive, just completely impulse. No, like, I know, and I guess it's trying to, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure if it's just bad writing or like the writing's falling short to sort of contrast, you know, uh, Marco's toxic effect on her and being in this environment. Like, I don't know. I don't know what they're going for, but the fact that I'm having to be like, it's either bad for this reason or bad for this other reason. Like as far as like what's landing with me, I'm like, it's not great. Cause if Naomi was trying to work her into good graces with the crew and then use that as a way, I think that also tells a little bit more about her back history with him. Like if he initially, if his reaction or if her reaction in the past was to be that sort of like freaked out, anxious person, like we sort of see in the current show, it'd be a cool development of her character to be like, okay, I'm going to play it cool. I'm going to do it right this time and really deal with him by, you know, working my way into his good graces. I also think it creates some tension with the audience because we haven't seen a lot of her backstory. Like, we we get a sense for it. I think it would be more interesting if we were worried about her falling into the OPA beliefs. Yeah. If we were kind of concerned, like, okay, this guy is, you know, the father of her child. He is pretty politically savvy. It just enhances his character a lot more to have her be like, yeah. to, to gather attention with the audience, at least, I think. But also, they already did that a couple seasons ago. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of ways to try to show, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you could do for storytelling, uh, even exposition-wise, like, you know, how her old crew saw her, right? Um, how they interact with her, like Sin, uh, at least, you know, trying to sort of get a sense of who she was back then and how this person, like how these two people ended up this way. So Naomi is a younger woman and yet Naomi now, uh, how how she's changed. So that, that would be interesting in a way. But like, and trust me, I get it. Like I've, I've been in those, anyone who's like sort of been in like that sort of like toxic manipulative environment, you know, like how quickly you're just kind of made to feel insane. Like, Am I losing my mind? Am I crazy? And you constantly do feel anxious and frazzled and like running on impulse. But I just don't think that in the way that they're portraying her, like right now, at least in this last couple of episodes, really kind of tracks with what we've been built up to believe about her character. And I don't think it's being necessarily done and twisted and or rather like re reworked in an interesting way. I just think it's kind yeah. of like an unfortunate way. Yeah. To, to move on from that, um, I want to talk a little bit more about Amos and uh, the prison with uh, Peaches, Melba, Clarissa. One of the things I did love about this particular sequence was that it really gave Amos mechanical problems to work on. Like, I, I, I love when we have those opportunities for, like, he, he, I just look in the elevator shaft and, like, problem solving and, like, thinking through this. I love that those happen in the show, that, like, he gets to be a mechanical engineer and figure things out and use that part of himself, like that he gets to develop that muscle, as it were, that isn't just in the space of Amos punch things make go, you know? I think Wes Chatham is doing a good job. He's like a little too hot for how I always imagined Amos, and it's a little distracting, honestly. Um, because I always pictured Amos as this, like, burly, like, Chevy classic rusted truck mechanic. He's always constantly wiping down his hand. Why is it his hand greasy? Who knows? But it's always greasy. He's always wiping it down. He's always telling you about like just matter of fact stuff about your car. Uh, and he just also happens to look very scary about it. 
which I mean, I'm not saying this Amos is bad. Like tight shirt, ripped Amos with a nice fade is a you know always pleasing to the eyes, and it <laughs> and it's keeping with making that ev- making sure every masculine character on the show is a himbo, or at least you know emits those himbo vibes a bit. So I appreciate that, but yeah. I- <laughs> I do like when they're like, oh, by the way, we just want to remind you that Amos is still like a specialist and is still very good at what he does, like on the Rossi, which is to say, keep the ship together. <laughs> yeah, um, I love that. The other characters, the guards, that sort of drama felt pretty flat to me. But I also understand that you have to have other people there. It can't just be Amos and Melba escaping. Um, but why so, not? Eh, that's, we introduced them in the, the previous episodes. So we got to do something with them. That's the thing is like, why were they even included to begin with? That's fair. Like, I, is it to show that these implants are scary? Like, we already know. Like, that was already shown to us um, the last season. And that's another thing is like, uh, toward the end, so Clarissa slash Peaches. I was gonna call her Peaches because I really like you that. call you call yeah you call Peaches. Yeah, Peaches. She goes to use her implant right when there's the whole thing going down before Amos suplexes him, uh, Konachek. And she uses it and she seems to cry out in pain and just kind of slump. So, yeah. like, that's interesting. And I feel like, cool, work with that. Like, show us that, like, okay, this isn't just, like, day sex, you know, like, she can solve all your problems. Like, there is a, a limit here and that they need to work together and she just can't, like, punch her way out of stuff. That's cool. That's a cool thing to show. Why were the other guards there? Mm, just to be meat, I guess. Basically. And I think... uh the character of Konachek, I just... He was he was a wrestling character. He knew exactly... Yeah, no, yeah, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I think that was a little bit less interesting than it could have been. So, But it's fine. We are now on the surface, and we get to have more adventures with Peaches and Amos. So I, I just want to highlight again, like, that Amos getting to do mechanical work of just, like, where's a door? Where's a stairway? I think elevator shafts. Like, I, I love when a show gives a character a situation that is perfectly matched to who they are that allows them to sort of like show off that characterization because i think a lot of shows uh, I, I think of discovery here where like michael burnham is a swiss army knife that can do anything she ever needs to for the plot and this is about we're giving amos a problem an engineering problem uh, a mechanical problem go figure it out and he does uh yeah though no, this is just like a slightly sleeker smarter version of escape from new york <laughs> so which is to say it's Snake, and he can just do whatever he wants, and it'll be fine. He'll probably make it. Uh, yeah. So where they're going, their journey to get there, I forgot where they originally are and, like, where they need to go. I'm sure the next episode will explain that. I know that they're trying to eventually just, like, get off of Earth. Uh, yeah. Well, because, like, uh, Holden said that his family, the Montana grid, went down. So I'm assuming that we might get that storyline from the books. Um, so... I don't know. And then the last part is they remind us that there's still chess pieces moving with Alex and Bobby spying on the Laconian ships. Yeah. And I guess this is where they, maybe this episode is just like, we want to remind you like sort of like what everyone does, except no one knows what Holden does, I guess, uh, which is to say like Alex is still Bobby's Holden just at windmills. Yeah. So Bobby is still very much like, you know, into military strategy um understands that amos is still good at suplexing uh and fixing things uh, or rather like getting into the mechanical bits of it alex is still a great pilot who you know can get them alive presumably for a while who else am i missing the other one 
No. Uh, oh, that's right. And Naomi can, I don't know, cry a lot. I, which is, this is why it sucks, right? Because it feels like, aha, we're going to, we're trying to remind you like what all their capabilities and strengths are to begin with, except for Naomi. I did feel kind of like a disservice. Maybe that's why it's still like stuck in my craw, so to speak. Cause I'm just like, I just, something about it that I can't articulate just, just doesn't resonate with me, with Naomi. And maybe I'm just being harsh because I want to see more of myself in Naomi, you know, as, um, as far as like, you know, educated and granted. You want to see a strong female character. Yeah, strong, strong, <laughs> strong female character trademark. Yeah, that one. Um, no, I just, I get that. I, I hear that. I think that is very valid because she doesn't get a lot to do that really plays to her strengths. Like the idea of her like sending a communication on the ship like is would be way more interesting if she has to do it like in a subterfuge sort of sense as opposed right. to that was- like bashing a guy being like, oh, my God, I'm going to send it out. It's going to be freaked out. And so this to hold him to save his life, like the tension of her trying to not expose herself that she's like not quite played along would just go a lot further. So, yeah, I think everything Naomi does this season, it feels very forced in an obvious way and it doesn't do her any favors. Yes. I don't know. And I guess I just expect more from the character. I, I've always kind of felt like they haven't like in the last few seasons, I feel like Naomi hasn't really been portrayed as well as she could because in the last season, she was on Illis, right, in in the TV show because they want to show you what deterioration for Belters looks like down to a ground yeah. well, which is understandable, I guess. But what that did was do a disservice when she was an actual captive on one of the other ships, right, and how she, you know, basically just played the good prisoner for a while so that she could send messages and coordinate yeah. a rescue effort. So, like... This isn't someone who immediately loses their head when their boyfriend is threatened or, like, someone they care about is threatened. You know, she's, like, one of those, like, this sucks. Okay, how do I plan around this and, like, fix this thing? How do I make this work, you know? So... That's the thing, like, she, and that's why she and Amos got along, because they're both survivors in that sense. Yes. Like, they're both people that, like, can make it through things that other people wouldn't. And I think that's part of the thing that bonds them to someone like Alex and Holden is because... They're not, they're like sort of like the opposite of the, like they don't want to, they're not like focused on survival. They want to do grand flashes of glory. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not the, those kind of quiet survivors in the way that Naomi more and like, Amos uh, are. Yeah, Alex and Holden, I think, are motivated more by redemption or like yes. themselves. And yeah, um, Naomi and, and Amos just, you know, by, from their background are just people who just like, they want to kind of keep their heads down, stay out of sight, stay alive sort of thing. But, and as such, have com- have uh, developed very complex problem-solving skills. And so, yeah, that's why, I guess, to me, I'm just like, the last couple episodes have just really, or the last couple of seasons have really just, mm, just kind of rubbed me the wrong way with, like, how I really want to see Naomi because I feel like so often, instead of being the the brilliant scientist that she is or calculating problem-solver, is you just have the damsel in distress yeah. constantly. And that is a huge huge problem for me in in a book and like in a series where the books like seems to very much want to completely disassociate itself from this like notion as like especially as related to gender 
uh, or, like, you know, people in general are helpless and don't have accountability or <laughs> they don't, like, let's just say they don't have accountability or they don't have the ability to act on their own desires or feelings. You know, it, it's just so. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess that's why I've always. It's the portrayal of women, perhaps, as like primarily emotional creatures that they're guided by their emotions and like hence more reactive as opposed to the that dune paradigm about humanity that like a human if they're caught in a trap would like have the capacity to sit and wait to deal with their enemy in order to preserve the species naomi isn't she's just reacting to things she's just in that moment she doesn't have the we don't see her demonstrating the capacity to like think long term and plan out what is her next step like, no one in the crew is going to trust her now. And unfortunately... Economy. That was the word I forgot. Sorry. That's <laughs> okay. I think, unfortunately, with the way that the storyline for Naomi is going to go is Philip is going to be the only person that is going to save her. And so we're going to rely on Philip to be have a change of heart to do that himself, as opposed to Naomi herself, like, masterminding her own escape and then being like, Philip, come with me. You, you want to leave your father. I know you do. And then, like, it's sort of a... Both of them are liberating themselves from him as opposed to her being rescued in a way by Philip, you know, or rescued by Holden or like she doesn't need to be rescued. And you could even still have this whole thing where Philip saves her like that could still be cool in a bonding way. But it's just I just feel like they're constantly undermining the sort of person or character that the the authors have created of of this person and. I just hate it, honestly. Like, oh, I'm going to go with you, Phyllis. Yeah. It's killing me, but I'll go with you because I love you. Like, it, it's just, it totally robs her of the fact that, like, she's, yeah, definitely probably the smartest person on the Rossi by far. Uh, oh, yeah. It, it robs her of her, the fact that, like, she's been a survivor. She hasn't just been, you know, a tag along this whole time. So it just, it really seems unfair. I really do not like it. Even if I really like the whole, like, Philip thing, I like the exploring this dynamic of, you know, um, this unfortunately like toxic environment of being manipulated and freeing yourself from those uh, those tethers. But yeah, it's just not in the way that I was hoping. And so I guess that's why I'm just kind of constantly like, Mwah. you take away my Naomi and you give me what? Bull instead? Someone who goes <laughs> bonkers for mushrooms and fingers, I guess? What the fuck is it? I don't know. I'm just kind of mad. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I just like, I mean, peaches, the peaches stuff is good. I'm excited for that. And then the end of the season. That's that's kind of all I got. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what we believe is strongly coming uh, within only four more episodes. So we'll sign off there. Katie, what's one thing that you, you're, okay, outside of that ending, something that you hope happens in the next few episodes that would like help you a little bit? What do you want more of? Oh, gosh. What was the part? What was I looking forward to in books i want to see more um about the the sort of like background power play that's happening in the ring gate system Uh, and maybe and that probably will get there at some point like this season i know they will because that's you know kind of a big deal that's the you know that that's been opened that pandora's box is there so they can't just like leave it um i think i'm looking forward to that i i want to see how they get off of earth i want to see if they decide to do anything with Eric, because that would be interesting to me. And I also want to see, you know, Dr. Okoye. So. 
but yeah, yeah. they probably they probably won't they might like tease that at the very very end but maybe oh man my worry is that we're not gonna get any more okoye at all there won't be any space for her but maybe Housing. i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to drummers inevitable turn against inaros mm-hmm. um it's it's been cool to watch Oksana be this sort of like ballast for drummer in a way that we haven't seen. Like Naomi felt that way for her. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems pretty obvious to me now in retrospect. Like Naomi was that ballast for drummer, and drummer without Ashford, who's a person that she grew to care about pretty deeply, despite him being an antagonist to her, uh, which is so different from the books, but so good. Um, like, so it's I feel it's, like that's it's, it's not that we hate like, the books, or can, it's not that we hate the show. Yeah. That you can take liberties with the source material and improve, like you can do things with them and still make them good and even improve them in a way. Because I totally feel that Ashford was a more interesting character on the TV show than in the books, for sure. So love that. But and I guess maybe that's why it feels like it's such a betrayal this this season that it's kind of boring and predictable and playing into tropes, but not in a way to subvert them. So, um, sorry, I interrupted for, you were no, talking no, more okay. about like what no, we're looking forward to. No, no, that's, that's what I'm thinking of. It's just like that's that just drummer. Thing, so. Dr- drummer and her polycule. Got it. <laughs> well, okay. That's the thing. Like, I think <laughs> the belter sexuality and culture, I find very interesting. I think it is very. I think it's just belters though. I think it's just like this post like futuristic sure. world where partially and i like to see more of that because like you know like i come from star trek like star trek fandom where despite us being 300 years in the future and like very clearly being able to handle all sorts of like gender configurations uh the show is still pretty heteronormative um and anytime there there's like uh you know women kiss it's like oh, this week on ds9 terry farrell kisses another woman you're like ooh, like yeah the expanse is as it doesn't feel quite like that most of the time. So I'm I'm excited for more. I love Belter culture and I love the sort of like anti-colonialism of Marco. And I'm, we'll see how that goes. I, I, I think the, the tension to me with his character is that in some ways he is right, but he built this cult of personality around himself. Like his critiques of the system and what has happened are accurate. It's just that his solutions suck and are not going to bring the liberation that he believes they're going to bring for him. So, right. Uh, before we take off today, a uh, little bit of Belter for you. For those listeners that don't get to see us like do video chatting, uh, <laughs> Katie has a delightful Koyo named Sunny. Oh. A Koyo named Sunny, which applies for cat or dog, apparently. So, I have two Koyos, but uh, Koyo is apparently, yeah, feline or canine animal. So, sort of like that sort of pet attached type thing okay it's really weird though now that i think about it because that's like a name for affection when you're talking to like your friend you're like hey goyo yeah exactly but now it's like well if it's a pet like that means something literal that's so, literal up, version, dog? but yes. you know like that's yeah yeah exactly that's interesting uh we'll be back next birds. week to talk about episode six uh birds are i imagine that birds are something that like isn't really a thing in like we saw them in season one but I think that birds, I imagine, are a little bit harder of a species to get in space because their flight, like, like how do you fly in a gravityless environment? I feel like birds would get really fucked up pretty badly. Well, you don't really fly in like gravityless environment. Like the stations do tend to have like some amount of gravity, even if it's that yeah, third, yeah. they just beat their wings slower. I'm, I'm becoming that nerd. I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> <laughs> 
this is getting dangerously into the the Monty Python theory of how birds fly. <laughs> so. You can find Katie uh, at AnimeWeedFart69. You can find me on Twitter at ApeNotorious. You can follow the cast at SecondStarCast. Um, and we'll be back next week with more of the Scally. Cool. Have a wonderful time, folks. Bye, dang. Ha, <laughs> ha,